We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. And then we're also going to be reading from Matthew chapter 12. I want to talk to you today about signs following or following signs. Signs following or following signs. Mark chapter 16, verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Matthew chapter 12. These signs shall follow them that believe. I promise you I'm getting there. Verse 38. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall uh, no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. Verse 42, the queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Verse 43, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he said, he saith, Pardon me, I will return into my house from whence I came out, and when he has come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh with himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. They shall enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Verse 46. While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. So y'all get the picture? Okay. Then one saith unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren standing without, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto them that told him, Who is my mother? And who are my brethren? And And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my mother and sister, or my brother, my sister, and mother. (coughs) Pardon me. The, char- the, the character of today, the characteristics or the character of our society today is this. I want proof up front or I ain't buying. You, you ever, it's kind of where we're at in our society. I want the proof or I'm, I'm not buying it. We, we have become very skeptical as a nation because of basically the scammers that have infiltrated uh, us with the idea of taking from us. And that's, that's kind of what's happened in America. We're very reluctant to do things because there's been so many people that have scammed people coming in the vise and in, the, and, and, in, and in this situation of saying, I'll do this. And lo and behold, what happens? They pull the rug out from under me. But let me say this today first. Jesus isn't a scammer. He has your best interest. He has your best at heart. 
But there are times because of the notion of I want proof that we make a demand on God. You, I want proof or I ain't buying. No, we don't say it that way. But there's times we go to God and we say, <clears throat> I'd like a little proof. We don't say it that way. Let's just talk about it. You know, How can I be sure I can trust you with my life, God, with my problems? Can you just give me a sign? Can you just show me something? that shows that I know without a doubt I can trust you. <clears throat> and as well, there are many who seek after signs. In their own lives, they seek for signs, or from a particular minister they seek after a sign, or go to a particular church to seek after a sign. Proof that God is real, proof that God exists, proof that God is really in their life because he gives me a sign. We don't say it that way, but do we do that? Some seek after signs as verification that they're, that they're Christians. There, there are those, and I've talked to them. I, you know, I've had conversations with people, and that basically they'll, they'll give me all of the signs they had received this week to prove to me as pastor that they're a Christian. Prove that they have a walk with God. Pro prove that, you know, because I received this sign, that, that God has to be in my life. You know, I, I, I didn't have any way of paying this, and this check showed up in, a, in, in my uh, mailbox, and so that's proof that God is in my life, that God is watching over me, that I am a Christian, and that there's a problem that lies within that that we're going to talk about. In our text, the scribes and Pharisees, they weren't seeking to know Jesus. And the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees never really wanted to make connection with Jesus. They didn't want to have a relationship with him. Teacher, we want to see miracles from you. Well, they really want to see a miracle, see a miracle from Jesus. They were up to something, as they always were when they had contact with Jesus. They were always up to something, and it was no good. So they, listen, <clears throat> they didn't want to know him. They didn't want to see a miracle. They had already made up their mind about him. They, they, they weren't coming saying, okay, if you'll show us this, because here's the thing about miracles. Miracles don't affect people outside the house of God to come to God. They didn't in Scripture, and they don't today. Miracles don't, you know, if we had, a, if somebody was raised from the dead here and, and everybody saw it, we took pictures of it, it was on a video, and we plastered it on the internet, this house would be full. Yeah, it would be full. Why? Because they're seeking God. They want to see where the dead guy came up. After they see where the dead guy came up, you won't see him again. Because the miracles are not what causes people to come to God. Miracles are a sign of, you know, people want miracles, and God performs miracles. Listen, he's in the miracle-working business, but there's a purpose in him performing miracles, and it's not for proof's sake. God never intends to prove himself to anybody. We walk by faith, not by sight. God is not. A, so, again, let's, let's talk a little bit more. Uh, they just, they were looking for evidence, some way, some way to sh say, Jesus, you're not who you say you are. You're not, that, that's what they were looking for. Often people want God to prove himself before they'll even believe. And that's even more in our society because of the skepticism that's in our society, which has actually kind of moved into the church. God, I can believe you more if you can show me more. The bigger the miracle you perform in my life, the more faith I'm going to have. And no, we don't say that. But a lot of times that's our approach to God. Tangible evidence that they can see with their own eyes either to prove God is real or to prove that they are verified with God, solidified with God, a, a Christian connected with God through a sign. The only sign Jesus would give them here 
was be his death, burial, and resurrection. He said, you're not going to get it. The only sign you're ever going to see it from me, scribes and Pharisees, is my death, my burial, and my resurrection. That's the only sign you're going to get from me because that's the only sign that really counts. Listen, he wasn't being rude to them. He wasn't. That's the only sign that counts, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's all that really matters. That's the core essential of what we believe. If you follow signs and wonders, but you don't follow the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, well, I believe in that. I didn't say believe in it. I said follow it. Because it's one thing to believe, and there's another thing to follow. Belief is the beginning. Following is the ending. To him that endureth to the end, we've, you know, we've always quoted that, the same shall be saved. And it's, it, when we've been talking about Matthew 24 on Wednesdays. And that's not really talking about your Christian walk. It's talking about enduring those tribulation times. <clears throat> but listen, we have to understand something. Our, our, our believing in God is the beginning. We don't need any proof from God from that point on. We, just, we, walk in, we don't walk after sight. We walk after faith. Too many times today you find churches, people are looking for proof. They want to follow a sign. But we're not meant to seek after or follow after signs. Signs are meant to seek after and follow after us. Let me say that again. We're not meant to seek after and follow after signs. Signs are meant to seek and follow after us. These signs shall follow them that believe. Yes, sir. Correct. That's why Jesus called them adulterous. We're going to talk about what he, what he meant there, what he meant by that. Understand that people who don't know Jesus won't be won over by signs. They won't be won over by wonders. They won't be won over by miracles. The only sign, wonder, and miracle they will ever be won over is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's what wins them over. You have to point them to the real miracle first. After they get a hold of the real miracle, then other signs and miracles and wonders begin to happen. But honestly, how often do we, do we want the Lord to prove his presence by doing our bidding visibly? Show, show me something, God, visibly. How much do you rely on signs, wonders, and miracles to prove that God's in your presence? Ask yourself this question. How much do I look for signs, you know, all right, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. How, how often do we look for signs, wonders, and miracles to prove to show that God's blessing us. Most people attribute blessing to something visible, something they see, it's tangible, something they receive, they needed it, they received it, it's a blessing. <clears throat> my car broke down, it blew up, the engine blew up, and God gave me a new car. So that's a sign that God's in my life. That's how a lot of Christians live their life. They see, that, you know what, <clears throat> the blessings that you see aren't near as involved in your life as the blessings you don't see. There's a reason God doesn't want you to seek after signs and see those blessings and let them mature, let the blessing mature in your life. And we'll talk about that in just a second. So there's another thing. How, how often do we look at signs, wonders, and miracles in our life to see that God approves of our life, that we're Christians? Because I can show you time and time again in the New Testament where God performed miracles and blessed people, and they walked. They no more were a Christian, wanted to be a Christian, wanted to be a follower of Jesus. They got what they needed, and they moved on. It's, it's not because signs, wonders, and miracles are not the sign that you're a Christian. 
These signs shall follow them that are Christians. Not these Christians shall follow these signs. I want to keep signs, wonders, and miracles are biblical. They're important. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying here today. Signs, wonders, and miracles are very biblical. They're very important, but they have their place. But in today's westernized church, Janice said I'm using that term too much. Do I need to change the term now? Are y'all tired of westernized? You want me to make up another term? <laughs> okay, Janice said I'm using it too much. In our westernized church, many use signs, wonders, and miracles as a way to validate their spirituality. You don't believe me? Flip on the station. You know, they've kind of faded away, but there used to be healing crusades all over the place. Healing crusades. You don't need to go to a crusade to be healed. People go to healing crusades. Why? To be healed? Most of the people in a healing crusade don't need healing. You ever notice that? Most of the people in healing crusades are there to what? Watch. They want to, they want to experience. They want to see the miracle. They want to see the healing. They're, they're following after the sign. I know it's not popular, but, but I'm, I want to take you somewhere with this because if, if in this, and this is going to tie into my next message, but in this day and hour that we're living in, we have to recognize something about signs, wonders, and miracles. We have to recognize something about what it means to be a Christian, signs, wonders, and miracles. Uh, in Acts chapter 9, you read the story of Dorcas. Now, Dorcas died, and the Lord brought Dorcas back to life through the apostle Peter. Was that a miracle? It was. Here's the, here's the reason for miracles in a Christian's life. It's not to follow after them, but for them to follow after you. Here's the reason. Verse 42 of chapter 9, this became known to all, all over Joppa. And many people believed in the Lord. See, mir miracles bring people to the Lord. You know what? You know what happened here? A Christian allowed a miracle to happen, and the miracle, because it happened, led people to one thing and one thing only, to believe in the Lord. Now, this is going to make some of you mad, but just don't be mad at me. Miracles are not for me to stand up here and go, you're healed. They're not designed for me to show anything other than Jesus Christ to you. Any miracle that happens in your life or anybody else's life is designed to happen to show Jesus Christ. It's not to bring anything that you would say about, well, let's go to so-and-so because he has a healing crusade. God has healing crusades. Nobody else does. And when someone says, I have a healing crusade, come to my healing crusade, I, I have the gift of healing, which there's no such thing. There's the gift of healings, multiples. It's gifts to the Spirit. God uses them severally as He will. The Holy Ghost dispenses them as they're needed. But God doesn't grant Pastor Don the ability to heal everybody. If that was the case, guess what? Y'all wouldn't see me here today because I'd be going all over the country and all over the world healing everybody. There's purpose and design in signs, wonders, and miracles and healings. And they, they follow after. We don't follow them. Let me ask you a question. When, when you're seeking the Lord for something, do you do one of these three things? Do you put out a fleece? Do you put out a fleece? Do you do that? Or do you do the open or closed door thing? Now, the, these are all, we're going to talk about these. Don't, don't get shook here. Or do you need to get a word from somebody from the Lord? Yeah. 
Honesty, yeah. Yeah. Listen, if my wife needs you to go tell her that I love her, that's a problem. She needs to hear it directly from the source. Well, does God give a word to people for some people? Sure he does. But there's purpose behind it. There's purpose behind it. Listen, putting a fleece out came from the experience of Gideon in Judges 9 and 6. After receiving, now here's, here's the reason the fleece thing was there to begin with. After receiving instructions from God, Gideon contradicts God twice. You see, there's a reason that God allowed Gideon to fleece. Because Gideon, not so that God could show him something through the fleece, but to help him understand, you contradicted me twice, and so I'm going to let you do this foolishness so you understand. That's the only reason he allowed him to fleece. Fleece is not something we do as Christians. If we fleece, that means we've contradicted God at least twice. Now, I know this doesn't jive with our modern-day Western Christianity, but it's just the fact. We don't, we don't fleece God. Okay, God, I'm going to lay this fleece out on the ground, and in the morning it's dry, and there's no air, you know, but it's going to be wet. And so the next morning the air is totally dry, it's crisp, and but the fleece is wet. Okay, God, well, then tomorrow I'm going to lay it out, and it's, the ground's going to be soaked, and the, the dew is going to hit, but the fleece is going to be dry. And the next morning it happened. And so what is that? What is that? We're, we're testing God's ability to show us a sign to prove that he is going to do what he said he was going to do. Because after all, God, I didn't believe you twice. And so now I'm going to test you. You've got to have to prove to me through a sign that's what you're going to do. So God said, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to show you. But God, that wasn't God's intention for us as Christians. That was not the intention of God for us to fleece God that way. The intention of God is for us to trust him in faith. Trust him in faith. Okay, God, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to drive my car around the block three times. And if I don't have a flat, I'm going to believe that you're going to give me that job. <laughs> Listen, God in his patience granted Gideon's request. But ever since then, God's people have been wanting to fleece God. If this event happens, then I'll take it as a sign. That's fleecing God. If this particular, if I go into, okay, God, here's the deal. I don't know if I should take this job or not, so I'm going to walk into Walmart, and if I turn left, and there's a lady with a red dress on who tips her hat, then I know to take the job. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy, but you know that people constantly do this in church. Maybe not to that extent. I know, so were we. I was taught that in the Baptist church. Yeah, to fleece God.
What you have to watch for with, with laying a fleece or fleece is that it, it derives its consequence from a physical action. A, a fleece derives its consequence from a physical action. The just shall live by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. And so what happens is when you lay a fleece down, that, listen, did the fleece work? It sure did. But was God pleased with that? No, he was not. Because Gideon had contradicted him twice. And it took that to get him to believe God. Because in the group that we came from, most everything we did was physical. Matter of fact, we all had to dress. Let me back up. The ladies had to dress a certain way. And the ladies couldn't do it. The men didn't have to do a thing. We just had to show up and try to control ourselves. That's the reason the women were having to dress a certain way because there were pastors and preachers and people that couldn't control themselves. And so they made a law that says this is what. Anyway, I'm getting, off, I'm getting way off the subject. And so what, it's just another physical action that you were taught in that group that, that's going to get you to heaven or get you an answer from God. When the Bible specifically states that, it's the faith. Without faith, it's in, what is faith? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's not a physical thing that you see. Faith is something that happens that you believe God and the physical thing transpires. You don't put out something physical to get something physical from God. Listen, many times we don't get from God because we're trying to outplay Him. We're trying to outplay Him. We'll put out something physical, God, then you put out something physical. Faith is simply trusting and believing God. Well, if I can't hear from God, then I, you know, I need, I, I need to see something. I need to, that's what Jesus was saying to these guys here. Your intent is cor incorrect, and you're going to be judged for it. That's the scary thing. So, so let me keep going here. Look, we'll, we'll keep, keep asking questions, keep talking, because this is a subject matter that in, in the modern-day, can I say evangelical movement, and that encompasses a bunch of us, that people, when we talk about this, don't like to hear it because it, it takes away from faith. When, 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 we, when we want to fleece, it takes away from faith. It doesn't establish faith. How much faith did it take for Gideon to see the fleece wet, to see it dry? It would have taken more faith had he put it on a mountain and never, never looked at it. And God said, okay, it's wet today. Well, wait a minute, God, I, I haven't seen it. That's okay, you don't have to, believe me. It's wet today. And the next day, God said, okay, put it on the mountain. Now, you don't look at it, but God comes to Gideon and says, it's dry today. And Gideon says, well, wait a minute, i got to see it. See, that's the problem with signs and wonders. Signs and wonders are to follow us. We're not to follow after them. And, and that's, that's kind of getting mixed into the church. And again, if, if, if it's a sign you're looking for, and you're okay to proceed by it, you've got to understand something. There's an inherent danger in that. Let me finish this, and we'll talk about that. As well, open doors and closed doors. Now, let's talk about open doors and closed doors, because God opens doors that no man can close, and God closes doors that no man can open. And we so misunderstand what God is saying here. Open doors, closed doors happens when we ask the Lord to change an external circumstance to make something happen or not happen so that we don't have to make a decision. We don't have to have the faith in it. 
You're just going to show it to me, God. And that's all right. Open, God opens and closes doors, and we should look for those. Oftentimes, we ask God to open and close a door. And it may be the door God wants open that you're asking him to close. And it may be the door. That's why God opens and closes them, not us. But when we get, when we get into that open the door and close the door thing, and we look, okay, God, if, if you don't want me to have this car, then uh, just close the door. Make that whole dealership burn to the ground. Well, listen, Christian, uh, there are people that are relying on a job. And there are some Christians that work there, so I'm not sure that's what... So you understand the concept here, right? We have to walk in faith through the Word of God. You see, our answers are right here. They're not in signs. Our answers are right here. They're not in signs. And when you go into Word, signs, wonders, and miracles then begin to follow. When you get in the Word, that's when sign, because that's what happens all through Scripture. As people show up, somebody needs something, and the person says, hey, uh, you know, I don't have any money. I can't do this, but there is something I do have. What I do have in me, Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you. And then what happened? When he, got, when he spoke Jesus Christ, when he spoke Word into the guy, the guy gets up and runs into the, he's worshiping. He's having a great time now. He's been lame 38 years. Now he's having a, having a ball because the sign followed Jesus Christ. This, and that's the way it is in Christian, Christianity. The signs follow Jesus Christ. We don't follow the signs. So, again, let's keep going. A lot of times God tries to give us wisdom. And we don't want wisdom because we don't have the time to spend. What is God's If any man like wisdom, let him ask of God. He will give it to you liberally. Where does the wisdom, God speak this wisdom into my, you know, I'm, I'm, you know where the wisdom of God comes from, right? The word. As well, wisdom is part of the gifts that's used in another part that's a different wisdom than the wisdom of the word. Because the wisdom of the word leads you to make correct decisions. Well, pastor, I've had a problem with that. Well, get in the word more. Get in the word more. The answer's there. But, you know, it's easier. <laughs> it's easier to call up Uncle Bob, who's a Christian, or the pastor, who's a Christian, or whoever, and say, listen, here's my problem. Can you give me the answer? Let me have the wisdom of the Lord. You know, that, that's why a lot of people like Sunday school and church on Sunday. They get God's wisdom, word. Because the rest of the week, they ain't getting no wisdom or word. They're not putting their head in the wisdom. They're not putting their head in the word. And so understand this about opening doors. Open and closed doors has to do with the wisdom of God. God gives you the wisdom to make a decision. God doesn't make the decision for you. He'll close a door here. Nobody can open it. He'll open a door here. Nobody can close it. And if you're in the word, in wisdom, you'll walk right through that door or you'll stop at that one right there and not ever try to go through it. Experienced it personally. And that's not because I'm some phenomenal Christian or have some phenomenal faith. It's because sunk my head in the Word. Sunk my head in the Word. We have to walk in. Spiritual wisdom is given to us if we, if we just ask for it. Just ask for it. 
Seeking a word from someone, this is the third deal, do you do this? Seeking a word from someone is when you're waiting for someone to speak to you from God instead of you seeking God yourself. That way, if they, if they speak the word into your life and it doesn't work, you can blame them. You Say what you want. That's how it works. Trust me, as a pastor, that's how it works. Guy, pastor, could you give me the wisdom here, right, Terry? Can you give me the wisdom here? Well, sure, I can give you the wisdom here. Three weeks later, I took that wisdom, and, man, this didn't, this didn't pan out. Why? You must not be a man of God, or you must not be listening to God, or this is your God doesn't. Are there words that, people, that God will speak into your life from other people? Absolutely. But you, go, you don't seek after that. Don't be seeking that. If God's going to speak a word into my life, he may talk to Steve. and I'm not going to go, hey, Steve, did God speak a word for me today? No. God's going to speak a word to Steve, and, and it's going to be pretty powerful. And Steve's going to say, no, Lord. And God's going to say, you're going to be in a well. And Steve's going to say, okay, I don't want to spend three days in the well. I'll, I'll just go tell Don. So what's happened to Jonah? He didn't want to go speak what God told him to speak, so he had to spend three days in the bottom of the sea to figure it out. But God will, will speak to you. But, but listen, don't seek that out. Don't look for someone to speak a word to you. But that can happen. It's, it happens in the Scripture. But the problem is we seek out those signs. We're looking for someone. And here's what I found as pastor. <laughs> Most people want a, a word from me that agrees with their word. That's why they come and sit. And when I counsel them and it doesn't agree with it, they're like, like you know, hey, you know, I just don't know, Pastor. I need a word of wisdom. How do I overcome cocaine? Well, you know, cocaine gets you out of your mind and, and it makes, you know, and that's, it's, it's sinful in its nature and all this stuff. And uh, so you, you need to pray about it. You need to quit doing it. Uh, okay. Uh, you know what? I'll go home and pray about that, Pastor. You know, I've had that conversation. I'll pray about whether I need to quit doing cocaine or not. Are you serious? You need to pray about that? Dude. They'll go find somebody in the church that will agree with them and tell them it's okay to do it, and then they'll feel good about it. Oh, that's a person of God because they told me what I wanted to hear. That's why you have to be careful and not seek after that, not follow after that. I'm not saying God doesn't move through any of those avenues. Because God moves through each one of those avenues that I just spoke about. But it's signs that follow Christians, not Christians that follow signs. Does that make sense? We shouldn't rely on something or someone else to do our thinking, our praying, our listening, our studying, our understanding. We should not rely on anybody else. If you're relying on pastor for your word, you're in trouble. Because God spoke to me a word for everybody. Your situation may not even come up in this word today because it's part of what you need to hear, but you need a word in something else. But you may go months and years and never get a word from me about the situation you're trying to get fixed. Why is that? Because God is, is waiting for you to have a conversation with him. The prodigal came to himself. When he came to himself, y'all know what that means, right? He realized, you know what? I'm out of relationship. That's why I'm in the pig pen. So I need to go get, he understood he had to have some kind of relationship in order to get back where he needed to be. He went back to the father saying, I'll just be a servant. I, I just, I, that, but it's a relationship. It's some kind of relationship I'll have with you. And the father said, no, no, you're my son. Relationship. And so the problem with this word thing is that 
We want somebody else's relationship to affect our life, to lead our life, to direct our life. When God wants that to speak to you directly, but God doesn't speak to me directly. Who in here, God's never spoken to you directly? Good, because if, if it had, it's going to happen today. <laughs> God intends to speak to you directly because you are an individual. You're different from everybody else in this world. Eight billion people right now, and no one is exactly like you. You see how unique you are? You're extremely unique. And so God needs to speak to you directly. Many a pastor has built a church on being the savior of the people. I'm going to hit it here. Listen, y'all notice I'm always hitting the pastors, right? Because we deserve it. Half the time we're leading you in the wrong way. That's a joke. Nobody laughed. Maybe it just takes a little, yeah. Many a pastor has built a church on being the savior of the people. He has all the word for them. He has all the direction for them. He tells them everything they need to know about their life. He gives them all this, and you're wearing green socks this week, and you're going to buy that Chevrolet, and you're going to live in this house. And, you know, pastor, should I go? Well, wait a minute. Is that going to bring the tithe down? No, you can't do that. I'm going to be, let's be transparent here. Pastor's wisdom is good to seek, but how about seeking God's wisdom first? I don't mind, I don't mind you asking for wisdom. God's given me wisdom through, I'm 63, so I've gotten some wisdom. If not, I have no business being up here. But there's wisdom in your life that I don't have. You've gone through things I've never been through, and you've sought God for things that I've never sought God for. So there's wisdom you have. So understand this. You need to seek God for that continued wisdom. Seeking a sign of proof or verification is a very dangerous proposition. Remember, these signs shall follow them that believe. When, fi- when signs are following believers, then believers are Christians. But when believers are following signs, there's no Christianity. I- I'm, that- I'm just going to be real pl- blunt with you. When signs follow believers, those are Christians. Why is that? Because they are following the the teachings and the instruction of Jesus Christ. But when believers are following signs, they're not following the teaching of Jesus Christ. Therefore, they're not Christian. Oh, I'm Christian because I believe. No, you're Christian because you do the will of God. You do the works of Jesus Christ. You're Christian Because you do the will of God and you do the works of Jesus Christ. That's what makes you a Christian. Being born again is being born into the kingdom. But what makes you a Christian is what happens after you're born again. There are many people who are born again and that's the end of Christian life. They just go on and live their life and never open, crack a Bible. They never pray. They never, you know, that's not following the, And then when they need something, they look for a sign. It's amazing, again, how many signs and wonders, conventions, I mean revivals, preachers are holding. Let me quickly suggest to you three ways that you could better serve you if you're seeking the will of God, not a sign. Just really quick. First, seek peace. Seek peace. If If you're wanting the signs to follow you as a Christian, first thing you need to do is seek peace. Let me explain this. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you're looking for things from God, instead of seeking a sign, seek His peace. Because His peace is what guards your mind. Right here, it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, a lot of people seek signs because their mind is in the wrong place, which leads their heart to be in the wrong place. Because they're looking for a particular sign somewhere for verification. Paul is saying what you need to do is first seek after the peace. And here is why. Here's why you seek. The word guard in this scripture here literally means umpire. The word guard here literally, y'all know what an umpire is, right? Who calls the balls and strikes in a baseball game? Correct. Who's calling the shots in the baseball game? Umpire. Every pitch could be straight across that plate. And physically be a strike. But if that umpire calls it a ball four times, no matter what went on here, the umpire says he gets to go to first base. That's what peace is about. It's to, it's to umpire your mind. It's to umpire your heart. That no matter what goes in the heart and mind, if, he, if you've got God's peace, there's an umpire in your life. That's Because sometimes we think it's a strike when it actually was a ball. You ever seen that ball player that argued with the ump and got threw out? Argued with the call? Because he, oh, that was not a strike. It, you know, yes, it was. No, that was a ball. You know what? The, the argument can go on and on and on. But who has the final say? The umpire. If you'll let the peace of God be in your life, peace will have the final say, and it'll guard your heart. It'll guard your mind. God's peace will umpire you in any situation. The problem is a lot of times we get into situations and we're, we get all messed up and irritated and all these things because we're seeking a sign to get an answer when all we should have done is just ask God for peace in this situation. God, you don't have to show me what's going to happen. I just want your peace to know that your will is going to be done in this. You don't have to show me what's going to happen. But you know what, God, if you'll just give me a little... Y'all know how much about God we really understand? We are very finite. Y'all remember math? The infinite line? And there's these arrows on both ends because the line keeps going and going forever and ever. But there's a finite that they put in. It's called parentheses. And that's, in that finite, you can solve a problem. You can't solve an infinite problem. That's why there's finite. Our minds are very finite. But our finite minds are constantly trying to solve infinite problems because we don't have the understanding of God we think we have. We think because we've read the book, and you need to read the book, we've studied it, you need to study it. We've prayed, you need to pray, that we have a handle on who God is. You have no idea who God is. He came in the form of flesh as Jesus Christ to save us from ourselves, from our sins. To have a relationship with this infinite God. That's what we know about Him. We know some history. We know some things that happened. But that's what we know about God. Because of that, He's given us a spirit. We know that about God. The Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God. You know what the Holy Ghost is? Well, He's the third person in the Trinity. He's not the third God. Hear you, Israel. The Lord our God is... Okay. So what is the Holy Ghost? A lot of people say, who is the, what is the, who, what, who, what? The Holy Ghost. Holy means separate. Ghost, spirit of the departed. The Holy Ghost is the separate spirit of the departed. Who's the departed? Jesus Christ. 
in the beginning, God said, okay, I've formed this man. And he's all, was Adam alive when he was formed? He was a lump of clay that looked like you and I. But when God breathed into him the breath of life. You know what that word breathe is? Pneuma, pneumatic, pneuma. It's the breath of life. He became a living soul. His, he, he, that, the, the Holy Ghost is the power of God. When God spoke, that was the power of God. When the burning bush happened, but it didn't consume, that was the power of God. When a donkey finally said, quit whipping me, I'm trying to save your life, that's the power of God. How many of you ever met a talking donkey? Me neither. But the power of God caused the donkey to talk. Understand that the, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is the power of God. And the only way that you're going to derive what you need from God is through that Spirit, umpired by peace. Let me move on. The next thing is to obtain knowledge. Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. See, we want power, right? We want faith, don't we? We want strength. We want spirit. How do we get those things? By knowing Him. By knowing Him. Oh, that I might know Him, Paul said. That word no, we understand the context of it, right? Adam knew Eve and she conceived. In the Spirit, God intends for us to know Him. There has to be an intimacy there where something's conceived in us. That's what knowing Him, that's the knowledge. Uh, it's a relationship. And that's what that, that's all about. The knowing is relationship. And then thirdly, trust. Put your weight on Him. You ever put your full weight on God? You ever, no, no? All right, God, I, I don't know what to do here. I, I don't understand what's going on. I don't have, so I'm giving it all to you. I'm not talking about this. I'm not talking to you about it anymore. I'm not going to cry about it. I'm not going to pray about it. it. That's when you put your full weight on God. That's when God says, finally, he trusted me. He trusted me. He knows that I have his good, perfect intentions, that his life, I, finally, he trusted me. And that's when we, there's no sign. Complete trust, there's no sign. Y'all remember the boat in the storm? Jesus led his disciples into trouble. He told them to get in the boat and go the other way, knowing there was a storm coming. They got in the boat. They, why did that? Did they know the storm was coming? Did they know the storm was coming? Here's the interesting thing about that part of the world. The Sea of Galilee and all the different bodies of water, you can see across them because they're fairly level and flat and they're mountainous on sides, but you can see way off when there's a cloud. And so fishermen would watch those clouds. And if those clouds start moving in, they'd watch them closer. And if they gathered and got bigger, they knew, okay, now this is a thunderstorm. If they started seeing lightning and they started seeing an aggressive movement of clouds, then this is a thunderstorm with a lot of wind. And so they gauged that. So they got on that boat, went across because they didn't see a thing. 
wide open sea. We'll meet you on the other side. Listen, when you get, do y'all know the storm's coming, right? Oh, my. You know the storm's coming, right? A lot of times Jesus has led you there. Why is that? So you can trust him. Trust him. You learn to trust Jesus in the storm. You don't learn to trust him when all the cake and ice cream and cookies are floating around with the milk and the soft drinks and all that fat stuff. You learn to trust God in the storm. Remember the synagogue ruler whose child died? His only child? Jesus turned to him in the middle. All these doubters are around like, dude, it's over. Go home, bury your kid, be, be done with it. And Jesus just simply said, don't be afraid. Just believe. Just trust me. Your child lives. Every one of us would want to have that trust, wouldn't we? Every one of us would want to run back home to see that our child, because we want to have, you know, in the difficult times, in those times of trouble, in the places where everybody says nay, you say yay. That's trust. Don't look for a sign. Just look for the master. Jesus used the term in our reading, you wicked and adulterous generation. I'm not going to get through this. God's prophet often used the wicked and adulterous generation. You know notice in the Old Testament? And so Jesus, who himself was prophet, priest, and king, uses this the same way. And so he uses it in a spiritual sense, just like the prophets did. What does that mean? His people who claimed to be married to him or belonged to him exclusively were actually outside practicing and worshiping other gods. The spiritual adultery. We do the same when we as Christians demand a sign. That's spiritual adultery. When we ask God for a sign... Show me, God, then I'll believe. We're wicked and we're adulterous because we're looking at something that God has no intention of showing us because faith goes out the door, trust goes out the door, belief goes out the door. It's real easy for me to believe that these chairs are here. You know why? There's a sign. They're here and you're sitting on them. It's a pretty good sign. Now, if I was at home and I didn't know who came into church this week, or if somebody took all the chairs out, but you called me and said, hey, listen, do you believe there's chairs? Well, yeah, I was there before, and there was chairs there before. Do you believe there's chairs? In the yes. Do you believe we're sitting on them? I would say yes. Would you stake your soul on it? I'm not there. I don't see it. So I've just got to believe, would you stake your soul on it? God wants you to stake your soul on not what you see, but what you believe. That's what faith is. You're staking your soul, not what you see. No sign that would, you would follow after. Because what happens when you believe, the thing you want to see follows you everywhere you go. When you believe, the thing you want to see follows you everywhere you go as a Christian. Not the opposite. Too many Christians today are trying to follow the signs. I got a lot more, but let me stop here because there's a lot more to this. Maybe I'll go do it next week. Let, let me just end with this. Understand this. These signs shall follow them that believe. These signs shall follow them that believe. And if we will allow the signs of God, the things of God, the, the, we will see this magnificent change in our life and in the lives of people around us. Because not only when we trust God and we believe God and let the signs follow us, 
That's what will attract other people. Not the signs, but you. Anybody ever say that? You know, something different about you. Anybody ever say that to you? Well, maybe you were in the room and everybody was cussing and you weren't. They recognize something's different. Or maybe you're in the room and they were all watching something and you wouldn't watch it. That's different. Or maybe when everything was going to Hades in a handbasket, you didn't freak out. They all freaking out. That's different. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for someone that these things follow after, not that they're following after them. We'll conclude this next week. Anybody? Okay, let's take a short break. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.